from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. Here we are. I'm excited to be here, Ben. Why? Why would you? Why would you say? I, that? I don't know. Why? <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a it's a valid counter question. I don't know why I'm excited to be here. I don't understand. What, no, okay. man. All right, fine. Here's what you should be though. Here's what we got going on the show tonight. We have uh, Buba has a a social question, a question yes. of of social uh, appropriateness. Yes. Is there a preview? I mean, it might give it away, but I'll I'll try and figure this out. It's okay. When, uh, I'll, never mind. I'll, I'll I'll set it up. It's to do with effluvium. What? That's how you should think about it. What's it's, effluvium? It's to, it's to do with effluvium. Oh. Does anyone else know what effluvium is, uh, or is this no a, idea? I'm just a word like that I Ben know. made up today. Yeah, I smile and not a lot. Ben has lost all of his friends because he t- talks like that. It's to do. We had that conversation today. So yes. <laughs> and you think it would get better over like text message, but no. it doesn't. Ben said the word quagmire today. Oh. Like, yeah. okay, see, Dan is in. <laughs> I said no one under 50 has said the word <laughs> quagmire. And Dan pops in and goes, oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Outside of Family Guy, no one under 50 has said that word in forever. All right. Never mind. Dan didn't bail me out. What a did you. Okay. So anyway, uh, Buva's got a social question to do with effluvium. Uh, we have uh, an article. There's a I came across an article today that said you can't be holy and happy. <laughs> How yeah. quippy. Put that on the billboard. What That'll a quagmire of a situation there, Ben. <laughs> the, the question is, is this the reality? You and, can't be holy and happy. Yeah. I Okay. Am I, has everyone else read this article? Because I haven't read it. I, I read, read it. it. Okay. I would like to make a... No, I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm just going to... I already feel like I know what this is about. Okay, wait, hold on. What's your prediction? What do you think it's about? I, I think they're going to end up talking about the difference between happiness and joy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll see if that plays out. Yeah, we'll okay. see. Also, we're, uh, last week, if you played uh, Woke or Toke, one, I hope you did well. And secondly, you're going to make your... You didn't do very well? No, I hope they didn't do well. Why? It's more fun if I'm great at it and they aren't. You're mm-hmm. not... You're the host. Alex the- Trebek doesn't go eat it. You didn't get the answer, <laughs> right? Listen to me. Yes, he does. When he goes home, he goes, Alex... You've done it again. I saved us all kinds of money. <laughs> Those questions were fantastic. Uh, anyway, so that was America's second fastest growing internet game show. And uh, we thought if last week we served the potatoes, today we're going to serve the pie. This is America's number one fastest growing internet game show, Secular versus. Solomon. And I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a hint. For those of you who have been listening to the show for a very long time, this is a retro edition, meaning I did not go out and find <laughs> new quotes uh, to support this particular episode. I just happen to have uh, notes sitting on this computer from uh, way long ago, and we're going to I'm going to recycle them. And so uh, we'll see how you did. We'll see if your show acumen and biblical aptitude carry you through this episode of Secular Versus Solomon. That is, okay. what, that is why some preachers uh, quit their churches every three years so they can just keep recycling them over oh, and over gosh. again. I really know guys who have done that. Wow. Yeah. That That's rough. Crazy. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I, it's pretty bold to say I've written, written three years of solid content. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's all they got. <laughs> I mean, almost everybody I know that either preaches or teaches, like, comes home and goes, 
I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know if that landed. <laughs> I do one week and I'm like, I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was just thinking that's gold, Dan. You should write you write these things down and help a pastor out. <laughs> oh, maybe so. Re- recycle every three years. Well, that's hot diggity. Yeah, Moses only had to write once. You say that. I mean, Everybody yeah. else turned out new content. Right I bet you, Chris Tomlin, he keeps you know singing the same songs over and over. He's doing all right. That's because people aren't holy yet. He's like holy, holy. <laughs> He's holy. happy. Chris Tomlin's putting out another album. Says you're not holy yet. <laughs> I will stop when you are righteous. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's start with the. Uh, and then we got some advice on dear life in the past. I let's, got Pope style. Oh, oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, okay. Okay, Mike has some Pope-style advice. It comes via Hosea. Okay. Oh, okay. boy. Hosea. All right, we're going to start with the article. Well, then we're going to make our way through the bog of, of the episode. Uh, you can't be holy and happy. Wait a minute. Wasn't my Pope-style the bog? <laughs> no, that was alluding to Buvis effluvium story. Okay, got it. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, and I hate it. It's very boggy. <laughs> In the countless conversations I've had with non-Christians, says the writer of this article, I've heard just about every reason you can imagine as to why they rejected Christianity. That said, I've found that if you can get past the superficial responses, such as there being no evidence for God, etc., there are two primary justifications that rise to the top. The first is something I've written about in the past and labeled the number one argument against Christianity. Bad experiences with religion, and in particular, professing Christians who look nothing like Christ in their behavior. The feeling is summed up by Gandhi, who said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Uh, I mean, that's a salient point. Uh, Two, the next reason has to do with the Christian life and its expectations, primarily its moral demands. The feeling is that the day in and day out life of a Christian is not a fun one, but rather a drudgery filled with the denial of nearly every pleasure available. No fulfilling sex, no meaningful possessions, no nothing. And who wants that? Hmm. Are you running into that? That protest? Yes, I I have for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, the de- uh, yeah, I was just checking with you guys. Just sure. I just, I just, <laughs> just want to see if everybody in the room is on agreement on that one. <laughs> I, said, I find that one more prevalent than the first one. Yeah, I mean, my really? uh, yeah, to be honest, but I mean, my main audience is youth. But um, like, there's some of the first one for sure, right? Yeah, but most of it is like their experience with the first one because the people who were following Jesus they knew like struggled with the second one, right? Like it was uh, rule based and terrible and. You know, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's the the Billy Joel paradox. I'd uh, rather laugh with the sinners than die with the saints. Basically, what even if there was a God, this religion sounds lame. Yeah, yes, okay, for sure. The devil's lie of you can't be holy and happy has likely run through the heads of everyone presented with the claims of Christianity, including yours and mine. If we're to be honest, the tempter says that to be fulfilled, you have to cast off God's moral framework, live how you want, and then you'll be happy. Initially, it sounds good, but there's a problem. We're not happy. At least that's the conclusion of a Gallup poll taken a couple of years ago. Unhappiness is now at a record high. People feel more anger, sadness, pain, worry, and stress than ever before. The study resulted in a book by Gallup called Blindspot with the author saying global misery was rising well before the pandemic. In fact, unhappiness has been steadily climbing for a decade, and its rise has been in the blind spot of almost every world leader. I mean, I don't know why we're asking the world leaders. Right, exactly. Posturing that question yeah, a little. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think, <laughs> think that overall unhappiness is actually rising, or people are willing to complain about it? Like, I can only speak from an American Western civilization culture, but like, I mean, people. My grandpa was unhappy, and he wouldn't speak a word about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he just it's just not something he would share or tell you about, and would consider it like either part of the gig 
or a passing moment that we're not going to like mark down and say this is long lasting. Well, your grandfather probably didn't expect to be happy. Uh, also true. I yeah. mean, so that I mean that's that's the problem. It's like I don't. Right. Yeah, we're we're not meeting our expectations. We have high expectations of happiness all the time, and there is no such thing you know as yeah you know and so it's like well man i'm really sad because i'm not happy all the time you know? i mean do you think it's a, like is it is it as unrealistic as that because like i think people in general are like well i'm not happy even half the time you know what i'm saying yeah. uh yeah so i i wonder if it's interesting to me actually that the stat is only in the last decade right but i in my mind i guess what i think is is we got to a point where we realize that that the suppression of um, th- things that you're not dealing with is starting to be destructive to people. Yeah, uh, and yeah. but it's it's latent things that are showing up in destructive ways. And so I think we recognize as humanity that the the posturing of say the 50s and 60s, and even like there was a conservatism around what you were willing to share uh, about yourself, so like to to keep up your image, um, even through the 70s and 80s. That we I think we started to find out. Okay, that's this is bad. This is not helpful to people. And then there was probably a short amount of time where we were sharing at the right level. Right. I'm I'm struggling. Uh, I I don't feel uh, up to snuff. Uh, whatever. Like you're used getting your feelings out. And then after a very short amount of time, I'm going to say no more than three to five years, we shifted from being transparent to indulging in it. Yeah. To like embracing um difficulties as identities. Um, badges right to to not seeing these things as things to overcome but as if they are allocated lot in life and that has continued to perpetuate itself into people um and beliefs and systems of beliefs where like it's it's not even about we we talked about grit like a number of episodes ago but like there's like a perception that like you can't even do anything it is just your lot, like your decisions didn't contribute it, and uh, it's not something with some, like, muster up some courage and some fortitude. You might be able mm-hmm. to get through it and be stronger on the other side. It's mm-hmm. just like a, this is, who, this is who I am, or this is my lot in life. And so once you do that, though, um, you're, you're unhappy and you're stuck there. There's, there's a difference in, in, like, people who are in a rough spot but who are actively working through it are going to reflect a different level of happiness at least some percent of the time um, than people who are like, my lot is unhappy mm-hmm. and it cannot move. And that is circularly depressing uh, and it will continue to act upon itself. So I do think I do think it is maybe not a surprise to me to find that over the last decade, uh, I, the, the things that could make people unhappy are not particularly different. Uh, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, d- normal human tragedies, sadness in the world, met, unmet expectations. There's no time in the world uh, through time of which these things have not been present. There is a question of how permanent they are and how much they help define you versus how much they otherwise drive you to interacting with the world in different ways. Well, it's interesting. I was, I was, I can't remember the specific source. I'm going to have to find it. But like there was a, a, a podcast i was listening to where there was a doctor talking about how the word trauma doesn't mean anything anymore yeah, like, yeah, yeah, friggin yeah everybody has trauma everybody's got traumatic experiences and he like he was just basically saying like no you have 
difficulties in your life. Yeah, some discomfort. So, yes, yeah. right. Like just because you ran into a wall does not mean it was a traumatic event. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And we're starting to lose the meaning of the word trauma yeah. for those who are actually going through trauma. I, I half the time don't believe that I've gone through any trauma. And like, I can't imagine being on the other end of that where it's like, man, I had a bad traumatic day. My boss yelled at me. I'm like, what? Well, yeah. What is wrong with you? Right. How is that trauma? Like, well, that's ridiculous. Sorry. Just no, go. It's no, just, it's just lost all meaning. No. I, do, I do mentoring at the local high school yep. once a week with a student. And, and then we're in this room and like, there's this continual stream of students that come and go. They need a snack because they're traumatized, you know, like, oh, we're having a bad day. And, oh, they made us have homework. Oh, there's a test, you know, and. And I just, I feel like, man, this poor teacher is trying to monitor things. And I need a drink. I need a snack. I need I need to sit down. I need to rest. I need a break. And, and I think, wow, I, th- there's a lot of unhappiness going on. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, and they, they truly feel it. I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's not, you know, they truly feel it. I've yes. been over 600 pounds before. I have embraced the trauma snack. Ah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and that's the difficulty. And I think we've, we've talked about this in, in maybe multiple places or multiple times before, is that like, it's 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 right to acknowledge that the way these are these are actual true feelings. Yep. Uh, whether yeah. they are right sized or whether right. they are taking in the world correctly or in, in in the right proportion is actually a completely separate discussion. It doesn't say that your feelings aren't aren't real. It just whether they should be honored, what weight yeah. they should carry, right. yeah. whether they're lying to you or not, are all those are different questions. <clears throat> but like it's interesting when you were talking about trauma because I actually thought there were the today I saw examples of where I thought. Uh, the word trigger, the word microaggression, and the word gaslighting are all have the same, the same types of problems. There was a yeah. woman on YouTube or something and was talking about how uh, she divorced her husband or something, and and she goes, "I'm I'm getting triggered right now." I'm like, "You mean you, you're remembering?" She was uh, she right. was, she was regretting her divorce. She uh-huh. she she, she uh. like uh was threatening to divorce her husband to try to get him to do something or other, and uh. Uh, expecting him to like beg her not to go or whatever, and he just didn't contest the divorce, <laughs> and so she ended okay. up she ended up divorced from this man. And it sounded like she, she was in a really good spot; like she might have looked like she this was totally in the wrong. This seems like a pretty decent guy. And anyway, she's like looking back on it, and like she's having memories of being in her house with her kids and with her husband and happy holidays or whatever. And like she caught she's caused almost all of this to happen. And she's like, I'm being I'm being triggered. I'm like, no, you're you're just remembering. You're remembering something that happened to you, and you have a feeling about it. Some like, regret. Yeah. <laughs> this is way different than a guy sitting in his chair, uh, and here's a transformer explode two blocks away, and it brings him back to Nam. Yeah. Like, these are different yeah. types of things. Like, yes, those are also memories, but, like, there's something about that memory that his whole body has held right. on to. Like it his, triggers an explosion. Yes. His yeah. kidney is telling on him. His yes, kidney is right. like, even I remember what happened. Yep, exactly. And so that's, that's the same. And, like, similar to um, – uh, what did I say? Trauma, microaggressions. Oh, yeah, gaslighting. This the, the, the different woman who was actually it was like a series of ladies who like shouldn't have divorced, and uh, she's like, uh, and he, he he gaslit me, and like she she explained the situation. He's like, oh, he lied to you. Well, yeah, I I get it, and I get how it would totally hurt. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, what we did have a word for that already. Right. <laughs> uh, what, is, what what does the word gaslight mean again? It's it's intending to communicate a situation where like people are treating you like you're you're nuts. Like you remember a, a mm-hmm. particular cons- like oh I remember you said this to me or this situation happened and like 
most likely to be what people consider to be a manipulative, overbearing, right. narcissistic spouse who's going to act like none of that ever that happened. That didn't happen, yeah. They're blowing that, up the whole world around you. Yeah. I punched you in the face a month and a half ago, and as you're trying to tell me about how it made you feel today, I'm like, that never even it happened, never happened. Like, what are you talking about? Why is it called gaslight? Well, I think it's From trying to imply – well, and people do this – like, this is – again, conceptually, it's not – crazy but it's not just they're trying not to say i just lied but also you destroyed all the things around uh-huh, you yeah so like you but you you isolated someone with how with your narrative yeah which is different than like it comes with a lot of narcissistic tendencies to make yeah. it actually a gaslit situation okay and it's not a one-off like it's not a situation where like you and i had one interaction and i gaslit you it kind of colors a a, a relationship that we might have had Mainly within a narcissistic situation yeah. where, like, it, again, like Ben said, it's isolating you from your own feelings, from people believing that you could possibly be telling the truth, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It's a lot more serious than just, oh, that person lied. Yeah, he lied to me. Yeah. Again, and I think the point is, is that, like, if our words don't mean things, we cannot make distinctions right. around some, some you know, man or woman whose partner has actually done this yep, to them. Right. Because there's a lot more to unpack yeah. there versus dude lied to me or lady lied to me. Okay, I mean, and that's bad, but like mm-hmm. again, you, you've you've miscolored as if you're indulging yeah. in your harm, and like we need to deal with your harm, transparent about our harm right. and our, our our fallibilities and such. That's not the same thing as be- it becoming you. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, so I I don't maybe I'm not surprised, Mike. I think to your point, are people more unhappy? I don't know that our situations would would uh, the circumstances of the world sh- would justify that. We're, the world is richer than it ever has been. Fewer people are in poverty than they have or, ever have yep. been. More people are um, living in at least nominal freedom than they ever have been. Um, the amount of people dying in casualties of war is low. Like I, it's just not like it's not justified with the circumstances. And so the question is. What is or what is making us more? I don't want frail comes off wrong, but like what makes us more susceptible to unhappiness that we are not persevering through the troubles that are surrounding us and more people are willing to say they're unhappy. I think that is right. So, well, and I think that, that, uh, that proves Dan's point. Like, I think the truth is, is like the metric just keeps moving, you know, where, um, like we talk, my wife and I talk about this every once in a while. It's like, um, some of the stereotypical things like, uh, like uh, society would have a woman in charge of, if that was her whole job, you know, and she had all day, and her only thing was to cook or clean or take care of the house, take care of the kids, whatever. Um, and she has said, like, if this was if this was my whole gig, then yeah, could I find joy in it? And I think the answer is yes, right? If it's the thing that you were in charge of doing, and like you were happy to do it, and it saw some actual output for your family and for those around you, just like a a, a guy that would never leave his homestead, like he you know farmed it all day, he wasn't out trying to. You know, get coffee and and buy lunch and have to drive through traffic and own a decent car. He's just like I grow grain and every day I make sure the <laughs> grain's still there. You know, and I I check on the cows and whatever. Yep. And so I mean, it's an over fanciful, you know, like uh, looking back on time and saying this is what it could have been like. But um, like overall, we just keep moving the needle. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so like the more that the convenience shows up, the more we think, well, this will be a burden off of me. And it isn't working that way, right? So you don't feel any more rested or like you have any less responsibilities, even though your bills now come to you automatically over the computer and you don't have to go out and get the right. bills. You know, and you're, and what, what used to be, uh, you're like, well, this is going to be cool. Now I don't have to trudge all the way out to the mailbox. Now you're just irritated. Like, wow, I get all these every day, all the time. And, and even, the, even the automatic lights that you have or something that where you tell the robot 
to shut to shut the lights off or something. And you're like, well, there's one thing off my list that I won't have to. I got my lights on timers, you know, and they're LEDs. And so we're saving money and they're going to shut off on their own. And this will be great. And you didn't wake up the next day with any less stress or any mm-hmm. more rest or any more peace right. about your life. It's just another thing that when it fails you, you will go, that stupid robot, <laughs> it was supposed to do this <laughs> right. for me. You know, because like you have, when you have, you think it'll save you the time and it never comes up with more time. Everybody feels like they are trying to gain their rest and they do that by watching a bunch of streaming video or, you know, or, or God forbid a book, you know, to sit down and read or something. But no amount of streaming helps, and everybody knows that. Everyone's fallen victim to the same thing. Yeah. There is zero amounts of where, like, I've streamed enough, and now I feel ready to go back <laughs> to my life. Right. Right? Anytime you sit down and take in more than one movie, more than one show for any extended period of time, all you want to do is stay there. Yeah. You don't get energized for your actual life. You basically give it up to do this new life where you don't do anything. Dang. And so it's not get, like overall it's it, it's it's placating, right? It's it's neutered the to, the highs and the lows, and says everyone will be happy in the middle. And like the one thing that the gospel promises, it ain't that. Yeah, right. It is not a complacent, uh, non-eventful, boring days. There's going to be lament days for sure, and then there's going to be overjoyed weeping days that you can't imagine the joy that's coming out of this day. But the one thing that God says is like, you are not just going to sit here and do nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? So like, just think if you, if you spent your, I, well, I'll be curious. I'm going to, I'm going to pres- assume something or presume something. I th- I bet if you go and interviewed the people who were doing like Doctors Without Borders or people who were doing mission <clears throat> work in rough areas where like they're looking at providing medical aid to people and they can't possibly help them all. And there are people who are dying and they're like, this is not necessary. I bet if you were to ask them, are they unhappy? That isn't how they would answer. They might be angry. They might be motivated, frustrated, probably. Right. But they're not unhappy because what they're doing matters. Yeah. The question is, is it like, is there a, is there a correlation between how much substantive things we are spending our time on and the level of unhappiness, which is not is a different correlation to what types of when I'm doing substantive work, even if it's hard work and difficult to watch and something you cannot conquer like world hunger or something, but it won't make you unhappy. Whereas our lack of substantive doing anything that mattered can't does it contribute to uh, our the, the permanence or the sustainment of our unhappiness? I bet it would. I bet it does. I bet we're more open to being unhappy because actually here's one of the things, if that were true, now I'm building upon my own assertion, um, is because it's self-centered, right? Most of the time, if you're going to measure, am I doing something that matters? It generally tends to matter to other people. Yeah. You're even things where you're like, Hey, I'm working on the environment. Most of the premise of what you're doing so is for people who are going to benefit or use from it, whether it's right. animals or humans or whatever. Or later generations. Um, but even if it was just the environment, like let's just say you're doing something that you feel like matters and you're giving of your own self and your time to do something that you feel like had a big, bigger benefit for either other people, things or whatever. Um, the places where you are not doing things that make a significant difference in the world tend to be things that are isolated to you. You sat on your brains and you watched the Netflix all the time or – um, you I've played video games or for extended amounts of time or whatever it was, right? Like you just, it wasn't something that actually interacted with other people or, or drew them positively. And so is it, 
that would make sense to me is that the more self-focused you are, the more prone you are to being unhappy because you're not doing something that has it, your inner guts go, this is substantive. This mattered. It mattered if I didn't do it. Whereas mm-hmm. you could watch or not watch or play or not play or sit on butt or not sit on butt. And like it wouldn't have mattered to the rest of the world. But like if, if you did or did not do this thing, it made some kind of difference. I think you're probably prone to being more happy about and, that. And society has kind of has has gone that way as well. Like as that mindset has taken over, then generations are coming up where they don't have the. I keep wanting to say impudence. I think that's the, probably the wrong word, or the imperative is probably a better word. They don't have the imperative for the community around them because it's not necessary. Yes, you know, interesting because of the way that that life is is now framed and some of the conveniences that we have, the way that we get our resources, um, even the work that we do that doesn't require you to go anywhere or do anything. I mean, it requires you to do something, but you're you're not actively involved in a community. So, so what was a much stronger pull, you know, uh, forty years years ago was what's best for the community, mm-hmm. you know, and so and, and even like take COVID as an example. That was in the eighties, Mike. Did you think about that? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's longer back than that. You're old. Okay. Maybe it's, maybe it's longer than the 40s. But but even if you – we've talked about like a response to COVID. The right response to COVID would have been if the government was going to throw money you know, towards people, we should have paid everybody who was at risk to stay home and let everyone else who wasn't go out and pass this thing around and beat it. It would have been cheaper. And then sure. would have had, you would have had an co- economy that stayed up and running. Right, and we would have let not only the the this is be hard to swallow politically. I totally understand. Right, there's all kinds of opposing factions to this. But from my point of view, I want to take the at risk kid and his parents, and they can everybody can stay home, or everybody above sixty five who's more at risk. Like if you're at risk for catching this thing, you stay home, and then the rest of us will pass it around and 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 get it beat, and then go back and keep an economy up and rolling, and keep our community up while that community can can hunker. Right. As, but like that mindset doesn't it doesn't quite exist this day and age anymore. Right. Like with a, a community driven mindset where you feel like I'm not pulling my share of what our shared community needs from me. You basically go, well, I don't want to. So I won't, you know, and, and it's not I, and, and like you could blame younger generations if you want to. But the truth is, like they got taught that that came yeah. from somewhere. Right. Like a, a, a five year old doesn't revolutionize the way that we look. Uh, we look at life, you know. Uh, this is going to go differently. That's right. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, like, we just so we allowed it, you know, as yeah. as we pull back from a community and we and the self focus thing, it's the big thing, yep. you know. And and it it is extremely harmful <laughs> to people. And and but even as we think that, like, what's best for you is is self care, right? And that's not wrong, right? Like, yep. God is not calling you to like not take care of yourself. But it's indulgent self-care. It's not actually helpful self-care. It's indulgent where it says, like, for this day or for this week or for this year or for this span of my life, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And the thing is, what you think is, if I do what I want to do, then I will then be happy. Yep. And and if you're being honest with yourself, that is not true. And you know it's not true. But you like trying to convince somebody of that who doesn't want to hear it. Or yourself when you're in the midst of doing it, it it's a hard sell. Yeah. yeah. My generation younger, uh, it, it seems to be a relentless pursuit to understand I and to diagnose I and to 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 figure out me in general, right? Rarely ever 
do we look externally and try and figure out like how can I frame the meaning of my existence and or trying to figure out what is what has happened with me, what I've been through, what's wrong with me, all these different things to in any way look at it through the lens of anyone else or at anyone else. We are very specifically uh, diagnosed to to be intentionally self-centered because we feel like we don't have a basis to stand on in which we couldn't be. And it's crazy. Like, it's crazy as I grow and, like, learn about myself, but then more importantly, learn about, like, my place more than just me. Um, I'm a part of communities, like you're saying. Like, that's just, that's not something I was taught as a kid. Like, it was not societally pushed. Like, we never did the, like, I don't know most of my neighbors, never knew most of my neighbors. Like, we just didn't have conversations outside of that. And, like, we went to school with people, did some activities, but, like, then we went home. Yeah. And we stayed home. And then e- younger than I, even less so do they understand. Like, most people are afraid to have a phone call nowadays. Like, they're afraid to be on the phone. Text me. Only text me. Not because it's convenient, but because I'm terrified of interaction. And I'm terrified of anyone outside of my bubble. It's crazy. It's so Ooh. crazy how minded we are to be about ourselves, but not mindful of anyone else around us. That's interesting on how, how, how some of that adds into when you're not interacting with that as much. The presence of things like anxiousness, social anxiousness, yeah. um, perpetuates that isolationism. One hundred percent. Like there's, you can't get around it. Yep. Um, and like if we're, what you would think that like if you were more involved in those types of things, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't be one so worried about how someone's going to react. Yes. You like you know what to be prepared for. You've met all kinds of people, so you're not afraid of all kinds of yep. people and the, how the interaction is going to go. The most impactful things that have, that, some of the most impactful things that have come from any kind of journey you would call from me trying to figure out my brain and my life and stuff has been outside of it. It's mm. been outside, like the the the, mo- the biggest things have been to go, what's happening around me? And what are what are people dealing with around me? And it's right sizing because then like if if you're doing work with, with less fortunate communities and you're doing work with i mean any other community doesn't necessarily have to be less fortunate or more fortunate whatever but like the second you start statistically expanding your sample size if you will you start recognizing more and more and more how little it is about you and how little it is about like the the things that you're doing wrong or could be doing wrong or the things that have been done to you or all the wrongs that you've dealt with and the traumas and stuff the second you take a step out your front door and realize that the center of the universe was not the house that you've been holed up in you start to to really i mean it 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 truthfully starts to blow up your mentality to go like mm-hmm. oh my gosh there is so much more than me like there's so much more than than just what i'm dealing with and then if you start to to pour that out, not necessarily like dump all your stuff onto people, but you start to like bring people in and build a circle and then build a circle that's outside of that and start to look outside your own front door, you start to realize how infinitesimally small some of the things you're dealing with are. Yep. It right sizes it for you. I mean, you try and take a group of kids right now that have anxiety issues and all these things about traumas that they deal with on a daily basis, not even to make fun of, but like they feel that they need a snack because they're right. so traumatically affected by regular schoolwork. 
work, right? Like you take those kinds of of people and you put them into any thought that puts outward, you know, go help out a homeless ministry, Mm -hmm. you know, go spend time in a different country, understanding that you've never in your life experienced or seen poverty. Like you have no idea what that looks like. And I'm not saying it has to be that extreme. I'm just saying from the perspective of, of expanding that thought, it is difficult to see those kind of things and then to go back into your own house and go, man, I've got it rough and man, my life sucks. And man, I've been through trauma. Yeah. Like you're in, you're in a home that is, and actually I'm going to bring up something Mike said in a youth group I was in maybe eight years ago that like Western civilization, we live in air conditioning, right? We, we go from an air conditioned home to an air conditioned car to an air conditioned shopping mart and or uh, school and or workplace, and then go back out into our air conditioned car and then go back home. Like we are in Actual temperature that is not being mechanically changed less than 30 minutes of the day. And like we think we have trauma in our lives. Right, right. That's crazy. So we, we, we go we go to the homeless camps, you know, every other week. And and this uh last time we went out to a place, you know, it's just still winter, it's cold, it's they're sleeping in tents. Uh we're bringing them some food, some hot hot meal in the pack, you know, some stuff for the that week. And um and I just, it just had a moment where we're, we're standing there talking to all these guys. One guy has one leg. Uh, one, one gal has a rat literally crawling around her. It's her pet rat. Um, and, 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 and just crawling in her coat and she's kissing it in the lips. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm just kind of going, okay. Oop. And, but, and, but they're, they're laughing and, and they're talking and, and they're, they're you know, there's some joy. They're like, Hey man, we got some, you know, maybe we, we've built some relationships with these yeah. guys. And and it's it's hard to go home and feel sorry for myself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because I because I oh it's hard to get back in my truck with a heater, right. And feel sorry for myself. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let, let alone you know, uh, and and but it, it just struck me because they they were laughing, I mean, they were enjoying, they were smiling, they were they they, they had this community, you know, and they're together and 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 they're for each other and and they're helping each other. Like, hey, did you get one? You know, we got a hot coffee. Whoa, hot coffee! Right. And and, and it was just like the biggest thrill, you yeah. know, and. Yeah, uh, sometimes I, I I'd like to take some of those people, but then I don't want them to be like you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't I want mean, them. Kind of. I don't want to use the homeless community. Right. You know, to say yeah, don't be. You know, it, right, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, but it would be a great lesson at the same time. Like, I think that they, it kind of proves your point, right? Look what the gospel that 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 Jesus is bringing forth. Like the the last shall be first, the first shall be last. The greatest among you will be a servant here, and then look at a generation. Or a group of people that goes, this is why I can't get on board with God, because he is not concerned with me. Mm-hmm. He's concerned with him, and he's concerned with everybody else but me. Yeah, And it's, it's a blinding, right? Because after a little bit of wisdom, you figure out that like the focus on you is where all of your unhappiness is coming from. And it's almost offensive to paint it with that broad of a brush. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is like, <laughs> I know every dude in this room. I know how you grew up. I know all the stuff that like they would turn around and go, you have this trauma and this trauma and this trauma. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is someone actually came at me with that big load of stuff. I'm like, you have trauma that you haven't dealt with. And I go, yeah, here's the deal is like, I don't want it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care whether it happened or not. I, I don't want to carry it around yeah, it's not my name like time. it owns me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that doesn't sound like dealing with it. Yep. That sounds like giving it a chair at the table and then feeding it and calling it a, my friend. Right. I don't want it in here. 
right? And right. like God says, I don't have to have it in yeah. here. So I, I mean, it's the it's it's the it's the thing that that makes the gospel offensive in a in a modern time that focuses solely on you and your happiness. Yeah, and because you believe that your happiness comes from you, and once again, like it, it, at the right time in the middle of the night, you're going to realize that's that's a load of crap. Yeah. It's just not true. If it was true, I think people would tell you, like. I would have bailed on the Jesus thing a long time ago mm-hmm. if that was true because I could find this on my own. Yeah. I don't need a God for this. But everybody's had a stint where they tried to find it on their own. And they eventually came to the conclusion that, like, whatever happiness is, I can't find it on my own. It's not, It's just flat out not happening. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part to watch. Like, if you know a God and you know what actual happiness is or joy is and 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 people are settling for less— and they're like, I was happy for a time. I was happy for a period, or this one event happened and it made me happy. And then the rest of the rest of the time, they're just beaten down and sad, and they just won't freaking admit it. They're like, this is the best, and you're like, it's obviously not though, yeah. <laughs> you know. And you know that, but you just have to be willing to admit it, or better yet, God will show you. The article continues, says, so people reject Christianity because they think it won't let them live in a way that will make them happy. But when they live how they want to live, they still aren't happy. Sounds like quite the mess. What are we to do? I'll reply with a game of what if. What if, by our very nature, we have the wrong desires that cause us to love bad things that lead to rotten outcomes and result in us being ultimately unhappy? But what if God can change our nature so that we have the right desires that cause us to love good things in the right way that leads to positive outcomes and results in us being truly happy? If correct, that sounds like a winner to me. Well, guess what? That's the promise of Christianity. It's tough to admit that we're flawed, make mistakes, and no one's to blame but ourselves. C.S. Lewis wrote, believing in a real right and wrong means finding out that you are not very good. Hmm. Instead of pointing fingers in every direction as most do today, except towards the person in the mirror, Lewis describes past generations of non-Christians as, in many ways, merrier than a modern, but with a deep sadness. When he asked himself what was wrong with the world, he did not immediately reply, the social system or our allies or education it occurred to him that he himself might be the one of the things that was wrong with the world. When it comes to our human operating system, the Bible has an interesting way of describing our innate moral being. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? Did you catch that? We're originally free in regard to righteousness, which means we can't be good in and of ourselves, at least not how God defines it. We started out with another master about which Paul asks somewhat sarcastically what benefit came from obeying that master, certainly not lasting happiness. Here's what's interesting. The article here said it had sin in parentheses. We start out with another master, sin. I don't know. I, I think it's probably helpful. It make, grounds this a little bit better, better for me to say me. Right. Me. We start out with another master, me. Most, no one would actually go. Someone who doesn't believe in Jesus or someone who's like chosen their own path is not going to go, oh, yeah, I choose to be a master to sin. That's not what they're saying. Right. It doesn't even land. But yeah. if you go, are you? Cho- I'm choosing. I me. do what I want. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's a clearer way to think about it. You know, when I'm uh, reading, reading through that earlier today, what I kept thinking of is this: this is not just true in the spiritual realm, right? But it's like in everything. Yeah, I I I want to eat peanut M and M's. I want I want ice cream. I want I want all this stuff that, that, that it's just pure crap. I want mm-hmm. chips and dip and and that makes me so happy. And then I feel miserable. And it's the broccoli and the cauliflower and the salads and the it's the other stuff that makes me feel good and the fruit you know and when I when I eat properly it doesn't take long that I I feel like really good yeah right you know and then I know and I know it 
you know, but it, but it's for some reason it's like, I, but I want to have, you know, an ice cream Sunday. And, and then, then I start having more and then three and then four, and then do this and that. And then I start feeling, you know, slow and, 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 and eh, you know, and, and it's like, that makes the same thing spiritually. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. I agree. That's true. And I think that's a, that's actually helpful to remember is that for most of the things that you see people who are either struggling with God, not believing in him, that they're struggling with. It's not like every Christian's not struggling with the same thing. Yeah. Uh, my boundaries may be different than somebody else's boundaries. The thing that draws me in, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not gambling, but maybe it's something else, you know, um, like everybody knows what this feels like, how much control it has over your life, how often or how much you've been turning it over to God to try to help do that. How many times have you actually taken personal action to set up good fences and restrain or restrict you from doing things like those are the things that make the difference. But like I, I it's it's interesting to think that for a person, you know, who has um, maybe they've they've um, OD'd on drugs or something or tried um, and end up in really rough shape. I can't identify with that sort of relationship with drugs. I can identify with that sort of relationship with a few other things. And so it's not, it's not, it's, I get that the different substances and the consequences are a little bit differently, but this, this thing that eats at you and goes, I'm going to want to think the thing or do the thing or eat the thing. Like everyone knows what that feeling is like, and they know Mm -hmm. what it feels like to be dominated by it. They know what it feels Mm -hmm. like to make the decision and regret it, um, to be ashamed of, of done any of those things. Like that's not uncommon with humans. I don't care how, uh, you know, 1950s household they appear to be that everyone struggled with that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So the rest of the, the rest of the article basically prescribes that, uh, real happiness, uh, which is Jesus says, blessed or happy are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Does this kind of happiness mean you won't have real enjoyment in your life? Life far from it. Do you want to have great sex? Go ahead and enjoy. Just do so within the marital covenant that's been designed for maximum intimacy and pleasure. Do you want to have a nice home or homes? Ooh, Booba, that's you. No, she's talking to you. Barely have a car. Yeah, you can have multiply. You can. He's really saying you're going to get a duplex and other okay such material that. things. No problem. Just earn them from hard work. Give back and be free from the love of money. Let's not pretend the righteousness for sin swap that God does within us means we won't still struggle with pursuing the wrong things. Okay, we talked about that. Um, when let's see, when he was challenged as to how the professions of faith being made during the Great Awakening could be verified, Jonathan Edwards responded with his work. Uh, a treatise concerning religious affectations, where he argued that true saving faith is evident in the changed affections of the professor. True religion, in great part, consists in holy affections, wrote Edwards. Uh, if the great things of religion are rightly understood, they will affect the heart. Indeed, they will bring about new desires that will cause us to love the right things, which result in real pleasure. Or put another way, only when you're holy are you truly happy. Who to thunk it? I think uh, technically, Mike, I think you uh, you didn't win. I was just about to say that. No, I didn't. Surprisingly, I didn't. though, because at the beginning of the article, I would have totally thought the same thing. Yeah, well, and maybe it's it might be an indictment on me, honestly. Like, I was just considering the fact that like when I changed jobs, I got a raise, and I hated it. I didn't want it. The because, raise or the job? The raise. Got it. Yeah, the raise, because I don't. I, money's never been a problem for me, because mm-hmm. I've never had it. And yeah. so it doesn't bother me any. I've not, I'm not a slave to it. It doesn't own me at all. Yeah. You know? And then, like, when it got to a certain point, like, I had taken a job, and I'm like, this feels like real money category here. Like, I'm going to have to, oh. 
What yeah. am I going to do? I, I don't want this. Right. In fact, I would. The, the, in fact, I offended a bunch of people at my workplace because they, what they, everybody was throwing in on a lottery pool, and like, as a curmudgeonly dude, I'm like, I don't have any problem with the gambling aspect of it. I don't want to win. <laughs> like I literally don't want that amount of money. Like it's it's a scary principle to me. I'm like, I'll it'll ruin me. I'll make a bunch of stupid decisions. Like I will sin with that money. Mm-hmm. There is I just don't want it. I don't want it in here. So there's like a certain level of income that like even if my job offered like a bonus or something, it puts a pit in my stomach. I like I don't want that bonus. I don't want your money. I don't want any more money than I have because it scares me to be responsible for it. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, Jesus goes, Yeah, that's exactly why we're giving you the money. <laughs> I was just about yeah. to say, that's the right person. But but like in the turn, like the article's a little bit right is is you can, you can still like you don't have to live this curmudgeonly terrible life to prove to God that you love Him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that's not what He's asking for. He's asking for right things at right times with the right heart. And like it'll that'll all sort of stuff will work itself out. Yeah. Now sometimes you might end up being a little bit blind to what that actually means, which is why you create a community around you. Mm-hmm. You know, and put people around you that will step in and go two boats. I don't know, Mike. Two boats seems a little a little enough. <laughs> right. You should be on a boat share. But <laughs> <laughs> you better give one of the boats away. You know what's interesting about that though? Like if you were to ask, you know, a hundred Christians who are like faithfully trying to follow Jesus, I bet seventy would go, in the back of my mind, I worry that he's gonna send me to go live in tans Tangiers. Yeah. Right? And then but but think about what we just talked about. There's all the whole expanse of the discussion. Like if that's where happiness is in Tangiers, why don't you want to go? Right. Like we are, there's still some semblance of, oh, I wonder if he's going to make me give up my second vehicle. Well, like, wouldn't that be better? Like, <laughs> if you knew that God wanted you to give it up, like, wouldn't you love to do it? Because God obviously thinks there's something good in it. Yeah. Uh, and if and if we said one of the significant risks in our society, and like this is where I've often said that that uh, America. Uh, our, our basic level of wealth creates a blindness in us. We mm-hmm. didn't ask for it. We're not trying for it. We just have it because money does that. Like having things causes a blindness because you don't – you forget what it's like to need. You don't really have a good sense for what it's like to lean on God and to trust him. Your your concepts are vague in your mind because you're like, oh, I, I do. I trust in God every day. And then you buy all your own groceries. You keep the lights on. The the city pumps your water in like you just don't have a physical way to show that. So you have a little distance from it. So you don't see it the same way someone else who's praying in Tangiers yeah. may see it. Yeah. You don't know daily bread. Yes. It, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. And like you're, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. But again, you got to know where your risks are. Right. Your risks are blindness in this area. Um, but like as opposed to I'm worried that God will disrupt the things that I think are valuable in my life. Um, which are mostly focused on ourselves. Although my biggest risk, I actually, I, the, the the thing that keeps me like where I'm like, God, oh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if God's going to have us go do something is I don't want to leave my church family. Like I'd be, I'd be a, that, that's the thing that matters to me. Everywhere else, like I could probably care less. But like in general, that's the concern that is that they're most they're mostly self-focused types of things. But if those are our poison, then. I probably should switch my prayers and go, Father, if there's any way that I should give this car away. Oh, yeah. Could you find me a guy? Because I think I'd like to do that. I'd like to I'd like to take anything that feels like it's serving me, and I want all the happy I can get. And so what can I trade for the happy? Can I trade this car? I'll do it. Can I trade this extra room in my house? Can I trade, like, some of my salary? Whatever it is, like, I want to buy the happy in the kingdom with all the stuff that seems to be flowing my way based upon where I live. 
but also like without uh without a prosperity attached to it like if it's time for you to buy a vehicle buy one. Oh yeah yeah right yeah. one that you can afford yeah. and that is reasonable yep. but is not like a holy clunker you know what I'm saying? Like you go put your wife and your kids in it, buy a decent vehicle. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to be ashamed that God has blessed you in a way to 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 live in the society you live in. You don't live in Tangier, right? And so like we're not talking about arguing over bison here. And so like can you you live in Iowa or you know, at least we do, where it gets to be negative 20 and 120 depending on the season and the car's got to start and run and get through six you know, <laughs> six, eight, ten inches of snow if not feet. And it also has to be able to sit out in the hot. And so, like, does it make sense if God has blessed you with a job and you have taken responsibility in your community for yourself, for your family, that you spend some of the money that has been provided to buy a a decent vehicle? Yes, that is. Yes. yes. You don't need to, like, sit around and fret that this is horrible. You you know, like, just buy the thing that runs and that serves your purposes. That's fine. All right, you're listening live from the path. By the way, I did validate. It does not appear that any bison live in in um, Tangier. Unfortunately, I don't think that's uh, it's the that's why the there's Midwest. such a fight over it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you find what Tangier you is North Africa, isn't it? I think it's Morocco. Is it the capital of Morocco? I think that sounds right. That sounds it? right too. Yeah. You, so you want, North Africa. You want me to do this thing real quick before you do the game? Uh oh, your your uh, Pope style advice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It's it's not going to be a long one, but uh, it's just something to think about, and it's something that has been weighing on me uh, a little bit. And it's it's in Hosea thirteen, uh, and it's Hosea thirteen five and six, and it was it's this is God talking, and He says, "It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought, but when they had grazed, they became full. They were filled, and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot about me." Hmm. Ah. And there has been, I, there's probably been four or five times in my life where uh, I have experienced something where I knew that God was the only resource I had. Like it wasn't a human problem. It was a, I need the almighty creator of the universe to get involved. And I remember thinking at the time that like I was seeking him with almost every minute, hour of the day. And like there's just nothing else I could do. Everything else seemed like a waste of time. You know, like I just wanted to pray more. I wanted to talk to him more. I wanted to talk to him about the thing more. I wanted to read a scripture so he would see his words in me and then be validated that his presence was here going to do work. And I'm like, yes. And I remember, this is, it's happened every time too. Like a week or so in, I'm like, God, I'm not like this when things aren't bad. <laughs> I don't seek after. Well, I, I, I'm like, what, how do I ask you to change in me Whatever makes this situation make me turn my face towards you and seek you with everything I have. But if you were actually to give me what my what I asked for, it's a high likelihood I would then turn my face away and go back and do whatever I was doing before this happened, you know, or before these situations came up. And I think I was I was thinking about it this morning because actually I broke my. Uh, remember last week we were talking about like I was like two months. Where I had I I just wasn't listening to the radio. No tunes, yeah. Yeah, I was just praying. Yeah. And uh yesterday I bailed on it. Like on one drive, right? Like the other drives I was still praying, you know. But for some reason like I got it in me that I'm like, I don't have to do this today, you know. I and like I don't God ain't mad about it. You know, it's not like I'm I'm off the I'm off the reservation, you know, but I thought this is how it starts, man. Like this is what happens. I went uh, Hosea style. God God brought me to a place. And set me in a pasture 
and I ate and I became full and then I forgot how I got there. Mm -hmm. And then I just go back to whatever. And so I, my Pope style advice, it's, it's really simple and it's actually very hard to enact as far as I can tell from my perspective when things aren't in the middle of the pile, you know, but the truth is, is like God wants your attention. That's what he wants. He wants your heart and he wants your attention. The Pope style advice is give it to him voluntarily. Like right now, <laughs> you know, don't make him come find you. Because if he has to come find you to get your attention, then you can read most of the Old Testament and ask Israel how that went. You can talk to Mike Foost and he will tell you how that went. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the times that you actually turn your face to him and say, Lord, I got, I got nowhere else to go. Like you are, you are all of this thing. And I'm sorry for all the times that I ignored you, all the great things that I probably missed out on, all the times you, I should have heard your voice and I should have heard you calling, but I was busy drowning you out. And now all I want to hear is your voice and all I want to hear is your calling. And all I want to know is what you want me to do or what you're going to do or what's going on. I just want to know. And if he has to get your attention that way, it didn't change his his countenance at all. Like his posture towards you was always one of of love and wanting to talk to you, right? But yours had to, and it was rough. And like it's a plague of humanity. You you know I you're gonna find yourself here. But I'm just saying that like if you could take any wisdom at all from your past experiences, from mine, from Israel's, <laughs> right? And go, he wants your heart and your attention. And if you make him come get it, like it's it's gonna be it's just unpleasant. It's it's tearing, it's breaking, right? That to get your attention, he almost has to break something. And and like I just I, I don't know what a life looks like where I give him that same amount of attention when the world isn't on fire. And I sure wanna know. I wanna know what that's like, you know? I wanna know what that's like to to seek him and seek his face as fervently as I did or as I do when things are so out of my own control and I actually realize it, <laughs> right? you know? Yep. So the Pope's style advice is, like, he wants your heart and your attention. Give it to him before he has to come take it. Get off my lawn. Yeah. You've been listening live for The Path. Thank you for hanging out with us uh, this evening. I would say maybe you have a uh, thoughts on the show. Like, you, you've got some concerns about the things that we're saying. Uh, or you you delight in them and want to share with the world, please uh, give us some feedback. You can uh, call or text the Live from the Path Bob Eisenlauer complaint line, 515-517-0085. That's call or text, 515-517-0085. We would love to hear your uh, thoughts, opinions, uh, feedback, or, or other items. Uh, and while you think about that, I want you to think about this. And now, for America's fastest-growing game show, Secular or Solomon? You, my good friends, or casual acquaintances, or sworn enemies, uh, have wandered into America's fastest-growing internet game show, as Buva says, The Pie. And we're gonna play secular versus Solomon. That what, didn't land. What was the what was the opening theme that was the Solomon show? What was that for? That was uh, the Solomon show was the transition when we moved from the downtown studios to to the first studio in Johnston, 
uh, it was under the premise of uh, of the interview on the Sullivan Show. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Uh, Come on, go ahead, let me let me remind you of how the game goes. Uh, Buva, can I use my Bible? No. Okay. Can I use Mike's Bible? Yeah. Good, good yes. question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just ask a specific. Yeah, but he can't give it to you. You have to use it from where you're at. So he's got to like hold it up. But then to do so, he has to violate his terms of using the Bible. Crap. Okay. All so right, if fine. you could no. figure out a way around that, I'll Go let ahead. you have it. All right. Secular versus Solomon. The question, trap. The question is, where is our, uh, where is our wisdom coming from? Uh, a lot of times we, we hear some pithy saying and we say the Lord must have deemed it, but instead it was Ben Franklin. Uh, or we read it out of a fortune cookie. And so uh, Secular versus Solomon gives us a chance to uh, examine this wisdom and decide, is this from the Lord or is it from a secular source? And if it's from a secular source, what's the country of origin? Can we fish out where this wisdom is apparently coming from? And remember, like, specifically country of origin. Uh, Dan, that's aimed at you. Yeah, Dan, that really is aimed at you. I don't know why you would say that out no, loud. No, I don't know either. Okay. I'm having flashbacks. You're going to have to give me a little breath because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a thing when it's my turn to answer. I'm ready. Wait, I'm t- you're not going to do it yet? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, okay, I'm going to give you a heads up. Okay. It doesn't matter what I answer. After I answer, I'm going to go. I don't like that at all. That's yeah. like your own theme. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a musical where every time Mike enters the room, you, that particular note you plays. You don't have to explain what's yeah. happening to me. Yeah. I just don't like it. If you okay. played it and I said, Mike's here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> that, okay. I'm ready. <laughs> just in a test run. Uh, that is uh, secular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to hate that. In about that goes minutes. down smooth. <laughs> yeah, no, that goes down smooth. Right. This is going to be great. That's like vinegar to teeth and smoke to the eyes. <laughs> so is the slugger to those who send him. <laughs> and olive oil in your coffee. Did anybody try that? No. You should not be drinking that much fat. Well, I, I've heard it gives you That's the, good fat. I think it gives you good the Good fats or not, yes. That's what I heard. Your body is not ready for that. <laughs> okay. Dan, are you ever tempted by these coffee drinks? You're, no, only Otto? You're, not not a, you're not a coffee man, but no. you ever looked at any of these and go, oh, wow, I might try that. You don't no. go, oh, the chocolate hazelnut butter cookie. No, nope, I, I, I've tried like one and I'm like, nope, still, it's still coffee. I still don't care for this. <laughs> okay. Still I can have the chocolate water. without the coffee, but you very much even happier. But, uh, <laughs> just, just, I'll take a mocha, hold the coffee and the milk for that matter. There you go. You want Maybe chocolate? a little whipped cream. Can you squeeze Bosco straight into my mouth, please? <laughs> okay, here we go. Secular or Solomon, starting with Dan. Uh, a drowning man is not troubled by rain. A drowning man is not troubled by rain. Secular Solomon. Yeah, that that I'm going to say that's um, drowning man. I'm going to say that is secular. Um, and I'm trying to think of where this could possibly be. Um, Dan's just trying to think of a country. Of a country, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be Canada, specifically in the Niagara Falls area. Okay. Yeah, Niagara, Canada. We haven't done this in so long. Got it. Dan starts off going Canada, specifically Niagara Falls. Just <laughs> go big or go home. Right on the water. Right. <laughs> you get the mist yeah. off of the falls. Move. A drowning uh, man is not troubled by rain. I'm going to go secular Guatemala. Okay, Mike. Uh, I'm going to go secular Spain. Beep. Turn the page. <laughs> All right. You're on page 39. Um, a drowning man is not troubled by rain. That is indeed secular. The answer is Iran. Yes. Iran. Oh, that's close to so, Canada. So far away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, get, get the joke, Ben. He said I ran so far away. Oh, no. I, I was tickled about it. <laughs> I wanted to give the audience room to laugh themselves. 
I didn't want to dominate it. Why don't we have a laugh track? That would be so handy. We'd use it all the time. You would. <laughs> Yuck. Okay. Uh, evidence exhibit A as to why we do not get the privilege of a laugh track. If you could please call us on the Live for the Path complaint or the Bob Eisenhower complaint line, please record a laugh track for us. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. What just happened over there? Sorry. I had my finger yeah. in the wrong spot. If, if you have a unique laugh... Or like you think you would have a good laugh track kind of laugh, you should call us on the Bob Eisenhower Live for, Live for the Path complaint line, yeah, and then leave us a voicemail that we can use as a laugh track. That's I'd be willing to do that. If you guys leave me some good laughs, I will take the audio and I'll use it as a random laugh track here on the on the show. But if you identify yourself on that voicemail and you have a bad laugh, we will make fun of you. I won't do that. No, I certainly wouldn't. That's not in the proverbs. Dan, I will do, do that. I would not. I would not do that. Oh, I will. Not, I, have, like I will absolutely happiness. make fun you of you. Self-centered rube. Yeah, <laughs> I told you about my generation. That's <laughs> my, my 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 generation. Okay, secular or Solomon Buva. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Secular Solomon. or Solomon. Solomon. Okay. Mike, are we not guessing chapters? Oh, uh, we have another. Uh, Proverbs 12. You arrogant beast. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Let's play that laugh track. <laughs> I'm going to call into the complaint for sure. <laughs> I know you are. I'm waiting for the for the, the text message that says to me, we got a voicemail. Yeah. My name is Booba. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, Solomon. So I'm going to say Proverbs 27. Dan, slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. It is Solomon, Proverbs 19.22. Oh, oh, the year of our Lord. That's uh, slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. That is Solomon, Proverbs 10.4. Ah, the old good buddy proverb. <laughs> breaker, breaker. <laughs> the year of our Lord, 1922. All right, secular or Solomon. Uh, Mike. Whoever works in integrity works securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Solomon for sure. I'm going to say Proverbs uh, 18. Dan, secular Solomon. <laughs> Solomon, Solomon, chapter 16. Solomon chapter 16? <laughs> I mean, Proverbs. Solomon, Proverbs chapter 16. I'll take the whole chapter. Solomon book four. It's going to be good. <laughs> Volume seven. I knew what I meant. Uh, I'm gonna go Solomon Proverbs seven. Oh man, we gotta, we gotta, we've been out, of, we're out of touch with the game. Yeah, we don't know how to do it right. Uh, Solomon eleven. <laughs> let's see. Whoever works in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. The answer is Solomon Proverbs ten nine. Now I want you to, I want you to notice a pattern here, boys. Think I'm, about I'm this. I'm seeing, I'm seeing. I get to the show late. I say, got to put a secular Solomon together. I start making my way likely sequentially through the Proverbs. <laughs> so next one will be Proverbs 11. It's something to yeah. think about. Something to think about. All right, secular or Solomon. Back to Dan. A monkey. Uh... What? A what? <laughs> A <laughs> Solomon had the monkeys come in on ships. Uh, okay. Ecclesiastes Sheba 2. brought the monkeys with her. <laughs> <laughs> totally secular. I, didn't even, I can't even do it right. Uh, secular Solomon. Slipper ground does not recognize a king. Slipper ground? Slippery. Slippery ground. You said slipper ground. That's what I wrote. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the word is slippery. Slipper ground. (laughs) It has to be slippery. Yeah. Oh, so it's not recognize a king. Yes, you're correct. Uh, Denmark. That is uh, secular. Secular Denmark. (laughs) Slippery ground doesn't recognize a king. Yeah. 
I don't get it. It doesn't. It doesn't care whether a king walks on it or whether oh, it's a peasant. You gonna slip? It's personification of the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go secular Canada, specifically Quebec. <laughs> that tickled Dan. <laughs> Dan's like, he's got the same humor as me. I, I was hanging out in the, in the uh, Niagara Falls there for a minute. <laughs> All right, secular or solo and Mike. Uh, I'm gonna go secular. I think and uh, uh, Germany. Slippery Ground does not recognize the king. The answer is secular Kenya. Kenya. Uh, that was very close. They don't have any Slippery Ground in Kenya. <laughs> what are they talking about? Except in the rainy season. <laughs> Except in the really, really bad rainy season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty slippery. <laughs> that whole thing. They right. could, recognize a king, I'll tell you that much. They could, but I really drought it. <laughs> don't play it. <laughs> Secular or Solomon uh, Buva <laughs> with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Uh, Solomon Proverbs 12. Mike? Solomon Proverbs uh, 11 2. Dan? Sol- Sol- Solomon uh, Proverbs uh, 12 16. Ooh. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. What a great guest, Dan. Ooh. Oh, boy. Can I get a Proverbs 12? It was the most non-Canada answer I've heard from Dan. All right. Oh. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge... The righteous are delivered. It is Solomon, Proverbs 11, 9. Dang it. Uh, oh. I skipped too far ahead. I too, didn't think you'd go chapter to chapter. Too big of a leap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> too big leaps. Dual leapus. Uh, secular or Solomon Mike, a monkey never thinks her baby's ugly. <laughs> Where are you going with that already? Uh, a monkey. <laughs> I, got, I, got I moved on from it. Came back. <laughs> the room had to die down. A monkey never thinks its baby's ugly. Right. That is going to be uh, secular and Brazil. <laughs> Dan, a monkey never thinks her baby's ugly. Uh, yes, that's secular. We're going to go Mozambique. Mozambique. How exotic. Buva. Hit us with your guess. Secular India. How lame. How very mainstream. <laughs> how mainstream? What yeah. does that even mean? How, yeah, how gauche and predictable. <laughs> that's mid. Gauche. That's what I want. I was going to say. What, how gauche and words gauche. You're a gauche simpleton. It's macabre. Secular or Solomon, uh, a monkey never thinks her baby is ugly. Secular Haiti. Haiti. Secular uh, Haiti. Yeah. Dan, were you questioning whether that was a country? <laughs> no, no, I was trying to think. Do they have monkeys in Haiti? I guess I haven't been to Haiti, but uh... it's been a problem. You, that was beyond that. You would consider yourself the expert to answer that question. <laughs> I've <laughs> never once seen a monkey in Haiti. <laughs> Probably part of the government. <laughs> there's, there's a whole bay of pigs down there. That's <laughs> Cuba. <laughs> It's close to Haiti. <laughs> it's still a different country. We're not, <laughs> Cuba. Very famously Cuba. It's exactly. a bay full of pigs. <laughs> you know Everybody. JFK when he dealt with Haiti and the Bay of Pigs? <laughs> I found that phrase so confusing when I was a younger man. The bay of Pigs? <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. like, what a sight. Where did they come from? <laughs> I thought the Russians had brought like a bunch of pigs in. And I'm like, why don't they let them free? <laughs> These pigs have been eating nothing but raw I just, uranium. I just kept thinking uranium, of JFK at his big presidential desk going, 
What are we going to do about this? <laughs> what are we going to do about these pigs? <laughs> these pigs have missiles on them. It's crazy. We can't get our boats past the swine. <laughs> Actually, it was funny. It's, it's a porcade. Uh, I think, and I said this out loud one time, I think to no re- reaction in the room, but like when Jesus cast the demons outside, he created a bay of pigs. They ran. Yeah. They oh, yeah. Ran. So, Jesus made the first bay of pigs. Yeah, he yes, was the originator. Yes. All right. Secular or <laughs> Solomon. Mike, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Proverbs 11, 2. It's the exact one you said last time. I was wrong last time. <laughs> it's true. 11, 9. He was ahead of the time. He's got a slightly better chance of getting it right this time because he at least knows which one is not Proverbs 11, yeah. 2. And that was the last That's one. Valid Proverbs point. right rules. I'm under. <laughs> Dan. That would be uh, Solomon, uh, Proverbs 12, 1. Ooh, Dan says 12, 1. Boova. Solomon Proverbs 12. Are you going to be like this the whole time? What? Me? Yeah. And for about 13 years now. Okay. Whoever despises Don't his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Solomon Proverbs 14, 21. Ah, it's taking a skip and a jump. Had 14, one. 21. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I may have collected them in order, but I don't have to read them in order. Oh, you, you let us astray. You suckers. Yeah. You're like that, uh, that uh, grandma that dresses like a wolf. Sick. <laughs> you yeah. like that grandma that dresses like a wolf. Yeah. Yeah. You mean the wolf that dresses like a grandma? Yeah. I don't know what story you read, but Ben is acting like the other one. <laughs> I like wolves. <laughs> Grandmas, I find, are dreadful. It's a little boy who cried, Grandma. <laughs> little, little Red Riding that is hanging out with a wolf, and it turns out to be a grandma. What an interesting story. <laughs> little pig, little pig, let me come in. That's the grandma doing it, Booba, yeah. instead of a Why wolf. Why are we confusing stories? <laughs> Because the wolf. Now we're the three little pigs. Yeah, because if the gra- if the wolf was the grandma, the grandma is the wolf, and so she did the wolf bit in yeah. the three little pigs. Keep up it, with the times. Except for the, <laughs> the pigs were in a bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Laugh track. Secular Solomon. Uh, Mike, hunger is the best sauce. I was the uh, I was the first last time. Third, three times now. Uh, Dan, hunger is the best sauce. Secular Solomon. That is uh, Solomon Cactus Bob's. What? And there it was. <laughs> America. Secular Epcot Center. Yeah. America. America. <laughs> the American South. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to accept uh, Cactus Bob. I'm going to swap that out for uh, uh, New, Newfoundland. <laughs> New Newfoundland? Golden Corral. Yeah, New, Newfoundland. Are you trying to say Newfoundland? Newfoundland, yeah. Just because I didn't accent the right piece? No, you made it sound like there's a there's a place <laughs> named old. after Finland that's new, and it's Newfoundland. It's not a problem that it's pronounced the same. You're just not from there, Louisville. You're not saying it right. <laughs> Louisville. Louisville. Y'all been down to Nolens? <laughs> okay, Booba. Keep, stay on the tracks. <laughs> what? What was that? What in tarnation, Booba? You better stay, stay, stay on our tracks. Uh, <laughs> we're all broken. We're all broken. What is happening here? Oh, I'm no. going to go secular and I'm going to go Jamaica. I'm, I'm definitely calling the complaint line. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I'm going secular and uh, uh, the original Finland. <laughs> <laughs> Old Finland. Old Finland. <laughs>
All right, hunger is the best sauce. That is indeed secular Rome. Oh, wow. Rome. They didn't have sauce in Rome. Oh. Sauce there. Or Romesco, though. That's a thing. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that gets edited out somehow. I don't you edit just the show. almost ate your mic like a camel. That's what a yawn sounds like. <laughs> secular or Solomon. Uh, Buva. The bear and the bear hunter have different opinions. <laughs> the bear and the bear hunter have different opinions, secular or Solomon. Uh, I'm going to go secular, and I'm going to say Russia. Uh, you Dang would. Uh, I mean, I wasn't going to guess that. Uh, but just to show you what's what, I'm going to go going to secular, <laughs> and I'm going Ukraine. Oh, oh, contested regions. Dan Hudson. Uh, the bear and the bear hunter have different opinions. Yeah, secular um, Cabela's. That's a, that's a secular, uh, and it's got to be Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. <laughs> All of us are Eastern Europe. Now I'm with Dan on that. I think I feel good about that guess. Actually, yeah. Uh, the bear and the bear hunter have different opinions. Secular Norway. Norway. Yeah, right that's there. really close. Yeah, to what I said. All right. Uh, no. see here. Dan, we got done. one more. Yeah. Uh, Mike, here we go. Tie us off here. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Uh, Secular Solomon. I'm going to go Solomon, and uh, I'm going to say that's Proverbs chapter 18. Oh. So glad for that to be done. Uh, this, this this game's like another 10 minutes with these with the two. Right. <laughs> it's uh, a good word. Makes uh, people happy. <laughs> Dan Hudson. That is that is a, a Solomon uh, writing from the book of Proverbs, chapter 17 and verse 13. Sweet Moses. All right. Uh, Followed by a period. <laughs> colon. An Oxford comma. In the time of Asaph. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Solomon, Proverbs 16, verse 12. Oh, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The answer is Solomon. Proverbs twelve twenty five. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I, didn't like, I didn't like it. That, that, that was you just having gone through America's uh, fastest growing internet game show, Asterix Unproven, and as Booba would call it, the French Silk. Of the pie world. I mean, that's that was my favorite pie. Secular yeah. versus Solomon. Uh, you can find more Secular versus Solomon by going to lifeinthepath.org, searching Secular versus Solomon, and uh, various clips and shenanigans will show up in there, and you can watch, uh, take your shot, and see how good you are at biblical wisdom or uh, guessing random geography. Uh, either way, what a skill. I would lead for it on your, uh, what's, what's a non-skeezy Tinder type profile? Whoa. Farmersonly.com. Christian dating. Christian mingle. Yeah, that's not skeezy at all. It's yeah. really the Let's worst. Let's go with far- Farmers Only. Uh, that's where you should go. FarmersOnly.com. Mm. Something about you telling me to go to Farmers Only <laughs> you is just go, wrong. You should go right now. By the way, <laughs> if you listen to those uh, shows from the past, none of them will feature Mike doing that guitar bit. That's that's new <laughs> to this episode. I so. mean, we had to try something out. Yeah. The show's we getting did, old. Did we? I don't know. <laughs> Before I get uh, a copyright hit for that. Oh, yeah, sure. Hey, <laughs> would you say that we've gained viewers year over year? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, then we don't need to change up nothing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to stick Riveting with... conversation there, Mike. I was just thinking about that. Hey, Ben, how great are we? Well, I'm just thinking... <laughs> oh, I don't know if we're great. I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just saying if my... If, like, the random ideas about playing guitar theme music were going to tank the show, 
then I would feel bad. But so far, it looks like every decision we've ever made is solid gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got a pretty long sample size. So yeah, we're like yeah. a stock market that never goes down. Yeah, it's like pollution. Really, it's been a steady incline for years. Yeah, and so uh, that's us. We're uh, the same as pollution. You ready for this thing? Uh, no, no. Buva's got a story about his effluvium. Oh yeah. <gasps> what? Stop saying that. I don't know what that means. Okay, you say you tell the story, and then we'll we'll see whether it's it pans even, out or not. It's not even really a story. It's a question. Okay, it's, it's, it's a question. It's a question from Buva. Speak it. If there's a an item on sale yeah. at a store, yep. and you like to take advantage of said item, like more than the average person, are you is it are you are you a schmuck for doing that? Like if something's on sale for a buck and you buy like four or five, six of them, stocking up, is that a big deal? Like, are you a jerk? Yeah, I don't know. It depends on the item. What mm-hmm. item would you be a jerk, and what item would you Wait not a be a jerk? Well, hold on, you, it's a, it's a, it's a. If it's an on sale item, just make sure I got the premise right. Yep, it's on sale. It's a really good bargain. Yeah, great bargain. So you no buy limit. a lot. You buy a lot. Yeah, and is that offensive? Yeah, no. Is it a schmuck move to the people around you? Is there anybody waiting to do one to have one? Uh, I don't know about waiting, but, but they're conscious that you've taken more than most would. Yeah, but did they want it? <laughs> I yeah. mean, they're trying to get rid of them. They're on sale. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have. I know, I, do you owe any moral obligation to the people at the place you're frequenting? Uh, okay, let's think about it this way. Yeah, let's say that they were giving away Xboxes, yep. and they were on deep discount. Instead of being whatever they cost, they were ten bucks an Xbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I think you're a jerk for buying five of them when you can legitimately only play one Xbox at a time? Yes. And there's people that would also benefit from the amazingly priced Xbox mm-hmm. around you. Yes, I would consider you to be a jerk. So in a doorbuster situation, you're a schmuck. Yeah, but okay. What if what if the same thing were true for a Clark bar? It's a consumable. Then you, I you, then yeah. not as yeah. big of a deal. Okay. okay, yeah, then you could do it. Yeah, five Clark bars. Okay, now let's okay. let's complicate this. Okay, what if you took more Clark bars than most people would have, and people can't get Clark bars because of the amount of Clark bars you just took? <laughs> like anywhere. No, like it. <laughs> yes, I am Veruca Salt, and my father has just purchased Open eleven factories worth of Clark bars, and I am a spoiled, rotten brat. No, just in the immediate vicinity of the store. Just yeah. come for a serve. You can do what you want. Marco. Yeah, I don't think this is a problem. I mean, if someone was waiting, if someone was like hanging up behind me, saying, "Wow, it's a good deal in Clark bars," I might go, "Hey, man, I was going to get some. You want any of these?" Yes, that's fair. Yeah. But there, there's no conversation. There's just stares. Let me ask you this question. Is it enough that may have required a basket? Not if you have big hands. Yeah. So you could fit this number of Clark bars or other items with like 15. You have no idea how many Clark bars I can hold okay. at a time. Let me ask you this question. What were you buying and how many? It was hot dogs. <laughs> and how many? They're, they're, on, they're on sale for a dollar. <laughs> at Costco? No, at, at, at the Hy-Vee Fast and Fresh. There are other reasons oh, not to Now, hold that. on. You cleaned out the roller dogs. I didn't clean them out. It takes them another 15 minutes to cook more dogs. I know. That's why I was asking if what there's time a threshold. Was it? What time? It was like two. Oh, ah, that's past lunch, prime time. The lunch yeah. rush has happened. That's it was, over. I took four. I didn't eat four hot dogs in a row. I ate two, and I was driving around listening to an audiobook, knowing I was going to eat in a couple hours, and I already had the two $1 hot dogs. You ate a two-hour-old two hot dogs? That's gross. Mike, I need you, you to realize that. That's not even the worst thing I ate that day. Yeah, so, right. like, I don't know. 
I don't know what you're looking for here. It definitely wasn't the worst I've done. I have never gotten a future hot dog in my whole life. I've okay, never. That definitely puts it in perspective. I've never. <laughs> like, I very easily could have just went back to another Ivy Fast and Fresh a couple hours later and bought two more. I just figured I'm already in here. I'm stocking up on drinks and dogs. I, I'll see you in a few, good buddy. Never. Hot dog is not a future item. It, it has I mean, a shelf life of 15 minutes yeah, after you bought it, but here's the and deal. then it needs to go. Here's the deal. If you're the kind of fella me that's willing to eat the dogs at any time, why does it really even matter if it's been a couple hours? It's still gas station roller hot dogs. At least you're keeping up. It's not like up. we're not talking about filet mignon that I left in my yeah. seat. But you're keeping up the charade, I guess, that you got a, a meal hot off the warmer, and then something that we normally serve warm, you took no. and put in your car for two hours and ate. No. Un- untreated. There's no charade. I know what I've done. <laughs> I knew what I was doing when I did it, and I knew what I did when it was done. Remember when I said that God is calling you to better, and you're settling for the best that you could offer? One dollar hot dog The is best a sweet you could offer is a two-hour-old hot dog in your Beef Franks are, are living, okay? You're missing oh. out, fellas. Beef Franks are living, and I don't even put any condiments on them. It's yeah, just, uh, I'm with the rabble. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. You did wrong thing. I don't know. I had. A, I got to look. Is why I'm asking about I, okay, this. Okay, I don't think they were looking at you. To be fair, because you don't know my life. They were dollar hot dogs, and you took four because they were a bargain. They looked at you because you are of a man of your uh, physical appearance walking away with four hot dogs, and they went oh. Oh, it's true. He's going to eat all those. It's a valid point. But I've been staring at. I wonder what he'll do for supper. (laughs) He's certainly not saving those for future use. It's two o'clock. Is that his mid-afternoon snack? (laughs) Dang it! I didn't think about it like that. He just ate a child in the parking lot. (laughs) Did you see that guy walk in here saying "fee five foot bum"? That was crazy. He washed it down with a gas pump. What a super unlit. E85. What a monkey. What a a monkey situation. 85 reasons to be drinking this. Oh, man. Okay, that's probably a valid point. Yeah. I've I've definitely done worse. Like, I'm not proud of that, Mike. Who has a future on? I just never even thought of him and I'll eat this on Doug later. I just thought to myself, just thought to myself, I'm going to be hungry in a few hours. I might as well just get the dogs now. I don't want to be in the streets. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> what a about the doctor no. situation. What if they run out at the other time and fast and fresh? I appreciate this caricature of a man that you created me to be. You're literally driving around listening to an audiobook. You can stop anywhere, and instead you doomsday prep on hot dogs. <laughs> I'm, okay. You're worth more than this movie. I can can see the folly of my ways. I can see where you're coming from, that future hot dogs maybe isn't a great deal. It'd be a hard no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, apparently I have no standards in what I eat, and I'm perfectly fine, like, future prepping with some hot dogs about, like, what am I going to do in two hours? What if they're out? Yeah. Mm. I'm going to tell you something. I've bought a hot dog from a roller before, put ketchup and mustard on it, put it in my car, Forgot about it for, for 10, 15 minutes and then looked over at it and thought, no, no, <laughs> no, this is too far gone. <laughs> it staged out of the farm system. Yeah. You when pretty I, much open the package on the way to the car and start eating that. Here's the dog. deal. <laughs> when I write my memoirs called Table for One, please, 
I'm going to give you the, the advanced copies so you can read them and, and see how low you can get when it comes to gas station hot dogs. Chapter 14, future hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have gone to a, a gas station at the end of watch, if you will, when, uh, when all the roller dogs are about to be retired or dropped into the trash and asked while they were being collected to be put into said trash, hey, man, can I just get those? <laughs> and I have then taken those home put them in Ziploc bags, and then eaten them throughout the week. I've also done that where I got like 15 of them, and I chopped them up and put them into mac and cheese when I got home. That's delicious. That's just thrifty. Right. None of that Oh, so that's thrifty, but future dogs is a problem. <laughs> yeah, got it. Future dogs is a yeah. problem. Okay. okay. All right, that's what I got. Yeah, well, prudence and poverty are two different things. And the, I've been in both. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I walked that line, friend. <laughs> Because right. you're Wait, I thought that I thought this story that before the show started, you said the story was about a guy sniffing you. No, I said I wasn't. Oh gosh, I said I wasn't going to say that because I didn't trust any of you, <laughs> and I don't trust Dan to be able to hear a story like that and not say something that's going to get us canceled. I don't know what you mean by that. I don't. That that's the <laughs> surprising part. Dan's like, you just try me. <laughs> Dan's like, I'm a sensible <laughs> fella. I'm a sensible fella that can take that kind of story in the world. Yeah, I was at I was at the same gas station actually. <laughs> I freak. I freak with this it was place. Okay? Cologne. <laughs> and I went up, and I think I might have been buying future dogs. If I'm yep. being real honest about it, this is, this is a common enough occurrence that it's happened in two stories in one night. I was at this same place buying future dogs in a sparkling water, and uh, uh, from across the counter, the man said, "You smell nice. What's that cologne?" And I was like, "We could have we we could have just gone on without this happening at all. Like we didn't have to talk about this at all." And I went, "Oh, it's hang it, uh, it's not a cologne. It's like." Bath and Body Works or something. He goes, oh, which scent? Ooh, and I'm yeah. like, we don't need to continue this. But I went, it's bourbon. And he goes, ah, I like bourbon. I use ocean. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole conversation we're having now to where we're comparing scents. I'm like, yeah, I know ocean. It's a good scent. And he goes, maybe I should switch to the bourbon, though. Ooh. And I'm like, I don't know if we need to continue this conversation at <laughs> here, all. Here, I have some with me. And he just, <laughs> right, like, I'm giving him a free sample, like, here, buddy, <laughs> you want to smell like me? Here you go. No, it was, it was terrifying. I felt like I was an Old Spice commercial, and I hated it. And I was like, I've never in my life been the guy, I'm the guy that people stare at getting four hot dogs, uh-huh. that they're like, oh, I wonder what dinner looks like. <laughs> I'm not the guy that's like, ooh, sweet deliciousness, what are you exuding, sir? <laughs> I'd like to have you home for dinner. Right. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Was, yeah. Here we go. And Boobo was right. Talk about 45 what? seconds, we're in. <laughs> Danimal the animal, I love it. Dan goes, I would never do, well, I guess I did. I guess I did. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'd like to take don't you Don't do that home, next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, in the same week, I, I did future hot dogs and smelled by a man. I don't I don't think I would ever do that. I don't, would never want to give another man an impression that I wanted to dress like him, smell like him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. where do you shop? Never would ask somebody that. Yeah. What kind of deal? True. What kind of shampoo you use? I wouldn't ask any of these. Yeah, I would. I would pay good money to watch you do that, though. Oh, I wouldn't. Like I would that watch would a TV good. show That'd that was just it. you walking up to other fellas and going, "Was that bergamot?" <laughs> <laughs> that and the guy's delightful. like, "What? No, <laughs> that is delightful. What you're wearing today, sir? That is incredible. Is you're that like, Chanel number nine? You're like sunshine to the nose." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you daisy of a man! <laughs> the uh, I, I, my my wife though has at least twice tried to get me to go ask another man where he bought his pants. <laughs> She's like, and then then I'm in a weird spot because yeah. it's either I do it 
or she's going to do it. I'm like, I don't want you talking about his pants either. Because I, I could just see her going after Nassiska, hey, where'd you get those pants? Because obviously she's asking because she thinks they're looking like a nice pair of pants. Yeah. And this guy going to feel real righteous about himself. <laughs> Like his two cheeks are putting on a program back there. Denim. And so then I gotta go do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. Because that feels real hey, hey, I noticed your pants, sir. I was looking at your legs and I want my legs to look like your legs. Okay. <laughs> I so not to keep us postponed here, but like there's a situation in which I feel like I've thought to go up and talk to a man. And it's because big guys just do not know how to dress most of the time. Mm -hmm. And like... Well, they're not given much choice. Well, here's the deal. Like, I I don't think I dress nicely, but like, I also don't look like I'm trying to play Magic the Gathering at all times. And so like, there's some fellas that I'm like, you chose that hairstyle. Like, you are a balding, very overweight man that is wearing a t-shirt that's down to your knees with flip-flops and gym shorts, and you have a balding ponytail. You have chosen all of these things today, when you very easily could have just worn a shirt that fit better, gotten some pants that weren't weird looking, put on legitimate shoes, because nobody wants to see a big man's gross feet. Yeah. I wear shoes for that reason, right? Like, I wear I wear well-fitting clothes most of the time. And, like, sometimes I just want to walk up to guys and be like, hey, man, I get it. Like, I'm a big guy, too. I've been where you're at. I'm actually much bigger than you are. Like, you're actually tiny compared to me. (laughs) Right, yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? (laughs) Like, you've chosen this. And, like, if you smell bad, if you legitimately are in a situation where, like, you can't afford the toiletries, all the different stuff, like, I understand there are extenuating circumstances. But most of the time, it's like, hey, buddy, like, we know how many Cheetos got you to where you are. Mm. So, like... We should talk about how many showers it would take to get you out of it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And like, maybe it's two a day. Maybe it's three a day during lunchtime, depending on the situation. Like, have you had a particularly is rough it, morning? Is it Kung Pao chicken day? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, you know I can see the food on your face. Why can't you? And like, I'm not trying to make fun of bigger dudes. Obviously, I'm a big guy and have been my whole life. But like, there's just, there's there's choices that can be made on top of it that go like, I can still be somewhat presentable to society. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't have to look like a Simpsons character. Like, you can, you can, you can make better choices. I'm sorry. Don't cancel me because I got on big guys, but I'm just saying. I've only ever asked anybody these questions in the negative. Like, are you out of deodorant? <laughs> yeah. You just assume. Or do you need to borrow money for pants? Like, always uh, on the negative, and if I'm giving like somebody a hard time because they stink. Right. Like, I would never say, you smell nice, but I would definitely say, you smell like a shoe sole. You know, right. like, what happened? You smell like aftershave. Is there a meat. good reason why you're gross right now? And if you need help rectifying it. Maybe you and I should just go out into the world and have these kind of conversations. Is there a good reason you're gross right now? Yes, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to be, that's my mission now. I'm going to hang out by the hot dog aquarium and then I'm going to help out all these guys. Ooh, look at those that aren't ready yet. Like, (laughs) there's like a, we're going to move the sign in five minutes. Oh, we got to wait. We got to wait and watch that. (laughs) They're going to move that little comb. Still cooking? Not on my watch. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, you ready? Oh, yeah, gosh. let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Dear Life from the Path, I am a mature, divorced woman living with my boyfriend for the past two years. Time out. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> we have a good life in general. We live in a nice home in a great community. My problem is he isn't capable of showing as much attention as I need. I grew up in a family in which affection was not demonstrated physically or verbal. Oh, he grew up in a family in which affection was not demonstrated physically or verbally. He claims he is the same way, but will, quotes work on it. His temporary efforts are nice. 
but they don't last long and things return to quotes business as usual. Our sex life works in a mechanical kind of way, but there is no quotes lovemaking as part of it. Oh my. How do I maintain being understanding toward the situation? Should we part ways because my needs aren't being met? He's a good man and the lack of affection is the only thing missing. What's your bellwether for a good man? Yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't hit you and isn't as bad as your ex-husband? I'm going to tell you what this smells like. Bergamot. This, this smells like bergamot and a roller dog. Patchouli. <clears throat> this yeah. sounds like a middle-aged dude complaining that uh, about his sex life because he's been watching a bunch of porn. This is a woman. Uh, listen, in the same breath, it, was. it sounds like a woman who's been reading a bunch of novels uh, okay. and books <laughs> and idealized like what this what a man is supposed to going to be able to do and then this dude who like ticks all the boxes he's a, he's a great friend of yours he's supportive and he, he i mean he's just not like wildly passionate um i just i'm just wanting to make sure that you're giving this dude a fair swing right like uh obviously oh, i think the, she's giving him plenty <laughs> that's, that's the yes. problem yeah yeah what, Dan, Dan says, says premarital affairs out yep oh yeah yeah, that is I mean, that. I think we would all go with that. Yes, yeah, but I, I, yeah, obviously, uh, we're not foundation. He, we're not foundationally on the same page. No. Yeah, he's not hunting because he's she's giving him nothing to hunt for. Are you giving us the classic "Why buy the cow when the milk's free"? I guess so. Okay. I, I, yeah. I mean. Okay. Well, uh, but hold on. Her critique is not. Her critique is that his his actions in that department are robotic. Well, her critique is that he's not showing her affection. Like he, she said that his family, he did not grow up being physically or emotionally affectionate. He attempts to do so and works on it, but it doesn't last very long. Yeah, and so like he's, he's recognized and, and acknowledged that she needs this to the extent that he was willing to do it for a short period of time. Yeah. And then through circumstances, whether he attempted and it wasn't like reciprocated at all and or appreciated at all, whatever, could be plenty of things that she didn't do. In the times that he was trying, but there's also a possibility that like he cared enough in that moment and then it did not last long enough because he doesn't care enough in the relationship. Uh, yeah, I mean, if like I both give, could be wrong, if I, yeah, if I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to like, it, well, one, I, Dan's not wrong. Like they should, um, I, I wouldn't consider this a mature relationship. Uh, I, I get it as you're, as you are older, um, You've moved into what the final thing should look like without taking the necessary middle steps. Yep, right. Um, I, I would say, like, that thing can be worked on, right? Like, I, there's, I don't know, without going into too much detail, like, there's there's ways for this to continue to be, be like, change. Yeah. For the man to learn, for things to get better. Um, but they need to be done within a safe, committed relationship. And to the extent that you guys are lodging together, but you're not married— um, you've not created the situation where ultimate safety exists. Yeah, and so I, I don't know what the premise of that is. If it's if it's because you're carrying around hurt from past relationship, then you need to deal with that yep. before you start critiquing the current relationship you're in, because it's I I, I would suspect that it's sneaking in a bit. But yeah, I, I would say uh, first get, get yourselves married, and so like everybody feels real safe and comfortable, and uh, and then you know you need to help them along. It's it's not crazy. That two people within a relationship have different needs in multiple different areas, levels of attention, like whatever. Um, and it, it is a it is a long term dance of compromise to try to get people who don't agree on levels of things to get into the same spot. 
Uh, right. Oftentimes, it's it's actually coming from the other direction. A man wants more attention, uh, more time, more frequency of, of things like that. And it takes uh, 20 years to otherwise uh, make that come to where, where they want it to. And then all of a sudden, uh, the dude starts to wane and the lady's in. Like, it's just kind of a biological thing that's around it. And so it's just a it's a compromise dance. And I think it, it can be worked through um, if if that's the core thing. If he recognizes that he's willing to work on it, but he's not very good at it, that's a way different situation than like Agreed. he wants out or yep. he thinks you're being unreasonable or whatever. Uh, but I, I would strongly advocate that the uh, safety of that relationship and the commitment of it allows those things to be done without the kind of this constant looming of do I stay with him or do I do I make requests that like might offend them that they might want to cut it off or whatever. Like that's that's where I think you got to build in the ultimate buffer and then go to town and work on getting it figured out. Segular says, oh, the question was, uh, should I leave? Like, should we part ways because my needs aren't being met? He's a good man, and the lack of affection is the only thing mixing. Secular says, try this. Fill your boyfriend to the brim with love and affection, and what spills over may come back to you. Communication is key. Tell him you love him often, and be physically demonstrative. If you need affection, ask for it. The kind of spontaneous demonstration of affection you crave were never patterned for him during his formative years, so he will have to be taught everything. Please try it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I think that's true, and I do think uh, maybe just in general, um, ladies, there's all kinds of things that you want your fella to do uh, in all different parts of your your marriage, and um, you, you consider it a failure of his that you had to mention it. But j- just just think about it. Like you're you're two different people. The thing that is on your mind may not be the thing that is on his mind, and so it is not a failure to mention it. It is the thing that actually makes it so it can happen. It'll take a while. I'll give you a good example. This actually, this happened. Uh, I don't know, a few months ago. Uh, we have two. We have two windows in our bedroom, and a- apparently, I say apparently, for as long as we've lived in my house, when my wife comes up and goes to bed, she shuts the curtain on one of the windows. Uh, there's one that faces the neighbor. They got a barn, and there's a big light there. I can't tell you. I've noticed. I knew the light was there, but I-, I couldn't tell you that she shuts it, like or how it gets shut. Somebody maintenances this curtain, but I never thought about it. <laughs> And she brought it up a few a few months ago. She goes, you know, you were up here. I usually get into, into bed before her. And she's like, you know, every night I come in here and I got to shut this curtain. I said, oh, I didn't even know that was something we were after. We want this shirt and, this curtain shut every night? She goes, yeah. I'm like, no problem. And I, I'm nailing it. Like I, every night, just walk in and I shut the curtain, right? I, I can totally do this. It just did not occur to me. If I, if I got to bed and I looked up and the curtain was shut, I'd just have been like, or, or, or open still. I'm like, eh, that's probably gonna be fine. I'm gonna sleep. What do I care? Right, right. <laughs> it's just, but but once she said something, and what she wanted was for me to just come upstairs and and just do it. That would have been her ideal situation. I literally had not thought about it at all. And so I that one's it's an innocuous example, but like um, before you call, you think of your man as as inattentive or failing or not being conscious of your needs, like. He's going to need to hear about him way more than you think he should. You're going to have to remind him. You're going to have to articulate them to him um, because they're just they're not on his mind like you're on. They're on your mind. And uh, fellas, I would say the the same thing. Sometimes you want something to happen or you want you. You think your wife should be thinking about something. And she starts, you know, doing a bunch of other stuff in the house. And you're like, hey, we, we're supposed to watch a movie together. But she does. She is roll, like folding the laundry. Maybe she doesn't want to spend time with me. I wouldn't presume that she just got a bunch of stuff on her mind. You should say, hey, are we going to spend, you know, go watch a movie together? Oh, yeah. Let me tuck this up and then I'll be right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
The communication part is important. Don't assume that people are think doing a negative thing to you. Um, they 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 just they they don't have the same things on their mind that you do. Hmm. Okay, one more. Ready? Yep. Dear life from the path. Yep. My sister and I have always had a decent relationship, but for about the last two years, we haven't communicated with each other. I recently learned that she and her husband had a baby three months ago, making me an uncle. This is their fourth child, and they just announced the child's name. What's bothering me is that I got the information through a general Facebook post. I was never contacted to be told I was about to become an uncle again. Should I be upset about this? I'm the only brother and family member left. Yeah, them having a baby is definitely about you. I would go over to their house and demand that you are kept more up to date. It's their fourth kid. You aren't just becoming an uncle. You've been an uncle. Right. And apparently yeah. you haven't talked to the other three kids for two years. I don't think you've earned a huge standing. Yeah. There's there's something weird. Because, like, we were super close, and then two years ago we stopped talking to each other. That that doesn't just, like, oh, I lost your number, and yeah. then forgot to try and get it back. I forgot. Yeah. Like, you're on Facebook, which means, like, we've had the possibility of communication for two years, but we haven't. You're simplifying something that either you just didn't know happened or are not telling us this and, and want to seem like a victim. Yeah. Maybe maybe you guys don't have anything to talk about. Right? Like, uh, you brother and sister. I mean, uh, if you if, if, it doesn't, if something doesn't cross your mind, like, in a week to, like, yeah. you know, send them a video or, like, remember that time that mom and dad, blah, 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 did something stupid, something or other? Right? Like, and this hasn't come up for two years. Eh, maybe you're just not very close. I've gone a year without talking to a family member many times. For sure. And it wasn't even that impactful. Yeah. I was just like, I just, yeah, I remember you live and are alive. Yeah, I think you you might create be creating a hurt based on, like, some idea that you should be hurt. Like, you don't even know if you actually are hurt, but you feel like you probably should be. Right, I'm an uncle. I should know about this, not from Facebook. Yeah, I mean, why don't you stop by there? I Here's the thing, is like, all the onus is not on the people, like, on your sister and her husband, and apparently they got four kids. Like, that household's got some stuff to do. And you're over there swinging over at your house, like, like creating hurt feelings because no one, like, gave you a personal call. I mean, why don't you stop by there? Check on them kids every once in a while. Be the fun uncle. Show up with some bikes. You know what I'm saying? Do something uncle-y. Be the fun uncle. Show up with some bikes. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, sounds like you suck as an uncle. That's I mean, what I'm getting at. And so being... if, you are, or have, if you're ignoring the other kids for two years, what's right. the point of telling you yeah. about the fourth one? Be yeah. the fun uncle and yeah. show up with a karaoke machine. Yeah. I mean, even being casually involved with their lives, you within nine months, you'd figure it out at some point, hey, right. you're gaining some weight there, yeah. sis. Hey, you know, sis, like, you got oh, fat. What I mean, happened? Yeah. Hasn't this happened before? Yeah. You should be seeing this at uh, Little League games or school uh, right. choir concerts or something. That's a long time. I mean, months. there's a chance they don't live in the same area. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then, uh, yeah, they probably are, are apart and their relationship is not as close as it was. And right. that's okay. And that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's just regular. Yeah, I think you should stop. I feel like you're you're creating a let's talk about me bubble. Okay, of, and I, I think it's unnecessary. All right, what's secular guy saying that one? Whoa, let's talk about it some more. <laughs> what? Yeah, you don't get to move this thing along. I decide when we go to the secular's <laughs> advice. When Ben says it in five seconds, and we move on to that. We'll I like it when Ben says it. Yeah, it's I just, can tell. It's actually that just, was the situation. It's yeah, just when you it. say it that I'm like, yep, whoa. Yep, I can feel that way. <laughs> what is a What's secular say about that? Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should talk about this some more. Actually, <laughs> Se- secular says, despite despite Boofus and friends that we talk for longer, much depends upon the reason you and your sister haven't been in contact for two years. Could you have had a falling out with her or her husband? Maybe. Have you tried communicating with her? She may have felt slighted or that you weren't interested in a closer relationship. 
Because this has upset you, pick up the phone and straighten this out with your sister before you drift further apart than you already are. Half the blame for this may be yours, but you won't know for sure unless you ask. Hey, sis, this is bro. Is some of this blame on me? <laughs> yeah, start just like that. Hey, I went back to your MySpace page and I poked you and you never said anything to me. Yeah. I just, I learned about all your, your big life happenings through general Facebook posts <laughs> that you chose, like these are supposed to be your friends. That's what Facebook is. It's you say, these are my friends. They get to see all the things. Like, I, I mean, what would you want, like a personal envelope letter? You named your baby Ezekiel? <laughs> <laughs> you named your kid Todd Sucks? Man, I think that was about me. <laughs> oh, Todd. <laughs> you would think that. You yeah. would think that. <laughs> yeah, that's the right question. Hey, do you know any other Todds? I just want to start there. <laughs> let's let's just start off there. Any yeah. other important Todds in your life? No? Maybe, okay. Yeah, maybe you're calling him on accident and you think it's your brother Todd, but it's really... It's Todd Sucus. <laughs> Yeah, that sucks. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. You've been listening to Live from the Path. If you have any feedback for us on the show, you can uh, give us a call on the old Live from the Path complaint line. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You went so long without giving any substantive response on the complaint line that they tried to shut it off. They said, hey, are right. you sure? This isn't are, even a working number yeah, anymore. Are you sure? Are you still there, Live from the Path? And there's, I mean, they're quick on it because I, as I look back, I think we had some uh, some text towards the end of last year. Yeah. So it wasn't very long. But uh, just to keep us in the good graces of the uh, phone company, if you could uh, give us some some feedback on Live from the Path, it's uh, 515-517-0085, call or text, or uh, start the, the new year off right and give us the old uh, review. I looked on the Apple, uh, the Apple podcast. Uh, we're not super extensively reviewed there. Uh, we could we could use some help and get some get some play on the Apple podcasts. That's where most people, it's the it's the top podcast provider. If and I, uh, we are not not well represented. If I were to go on to Player FM, would I be able to review the podcast? I don't think the uh, the other people uh, the other have glaucoma who use that service, and so they wouldn't be able to read it. You just lump me in with people who have glaucoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the kind of people. <laughs> what a weird playing. group to be lumped in. Player with. FM. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's me. I guess you also have blue hair. Future hot dogs and glaucoma <laughs> with Buva. <laughs> All right, that's it. We're going to cut you loose. Thanks for hanging out with us on Live from the Path. We hope to see you next time. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.